today. I told my friends. My family. The world. That the old Adam, the old Jimmy, the old Crystal is dead. I have been buried with Christ. My sin is gone. Nailed to the cross. And paid for. By the blood of my Savior. My Jesus. Today, I declare that by God's relentless, unfailing grace, I am forgiven. Amen. I am free. I am new. Yeah. I'm sitting going, that is a good video. It really is. Again, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, we are right smack dab in the middle of a sermon series. And a series is kind of like a a series of a a bunch of messages that kind of tie in together in one way or another. And this particular one, we're talking about something that is really great big. And the great big is the Great Commission. You might go, Great commission. Like, is that what my stockbroker charges me when I do stocks and trades? And that would be no, that would not. See, here's what happened. You know, we believe, and it's true historically, we know it. 2,100 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ was born. And he was born in such a way with a virgin birth that he was the God-man. Uh, he, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And he lived for 33 years, this perfect and sinless life. And then, at the right time, he submitted to this, a Roman cross. And he was nailed to a cross. It wasn't a murder. It wasn't a mob thing going on. It was the plan of God because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Physical death, but spiritual death being eternally separated from God. And because that price had to be paid, God himself became man and died on a Roman cross. That every person could have forgiveness of sin. Now, by the way, that forever proves just how precious life is to God. It was, you are so precious to him that he left heaven, became a man, and suffered that. That's how precious you are to God. Well, they put him in a tomb. And everybody else is going, well, game over. The Roman government is going game over. And and the Jewish leaders are going game over. But he had said something. He said, man, I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm coming back to life. And guess what? Sunday morning, he did. I mean, they, they got there to finish embalming the body, and there was no body to embalm. The stone was rolled back, not to let Jesus out, but for us, for us to look in and go, wait a minute, this is big. Not only did he die, he arose again the third day, proving that he was the Son of God and proving to give us the hope that we, too, can live eternally. And so that's the great bit. And so Jesus lives for like 40 days more on the earth. You know, once he resurrects, talking to the, talking to the guys, you know. And then on the, around the 40th day, he ascends back to his father. I know it's like, do, 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 do. But hey, it happened. Okay? And before he left, he gave the last words. He, he gave, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when, you know, when someone's fixing to die, they give the bit last words. Well, when he went back to heaven, he gave the big words. And so, so he says, now here, here's the deal. He says, all authority has been given to me, heaven and earth. In other words, every, all power has been given to me. And here's what I want you to do. And he was speaking to his disciples, speaking to really the church. And here was the job he gave us. He said he wanted us to go and he wanted us to make disciples. He wanted us to baptize them. And then he wanted us to teach them. And, th- and that's so cool. 
here's the deal. Some, some people push back from Christianity because why do you guys feel like you need to like cram your religion down people's throats? And that's the misnomer. This is not a religion. I mean, you heard today. I mean, come on. I know some denominations have all the rules and stuff, you know. Some religions have rules and we want you to follow our rules. That's not the good news. It's not like, here's a bunch of rules, follow them. It's like a Roman cross. It's like a man dying for you. It's like a man coming back to life on the third day and living forever so you can have eternal life. And that is good news worth sharing. I, I, don't, I don't want to stand before you today and say, we want you to keep our rules or Jesus' rules. We want you to come in relationship with the one creator God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why it's good news. And that's why we're excited. And that's why Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. Now, now he, he says this. The word go there is not like, you know, an intentional trip. It's like a, a as you go, as you journey through life. You see our one journey there on our, our boards on the side walls. One journey. As you journey through life, I want you to make disciples. And, and that terminology in the Greek means this. It means to reproduce was already in you. And so he's talking to Christ followers. He's talking to people that believe in him. He said, just like you believe in me, lead others to also believe in me. Again, not for keeping rules, but because of the hope that Jesus Christ can bring into a very hopeless world. So we are to make disciples. Well, we're doing who? All people. All people. Remember those disenfranchised people we talked about? Remember the ones that society wanted to cast away? It's those. In fact, it was very common for Jesus to have, like, dinner, you know, with prostitutes and stuff. And we would go, oh, the preacher ate dinner with a prostitute. We'd freak out, but that's what Jesus did. Jesus found, like, the worst sinners and hung around them because he was the hope. He was the hope. You know, I, I, I had this flash this morning. I'm sitting there studying, and here's what came to my mind. God doesn't see a map. He sees people. Some of y'all still go, why do we have to go to Haiti? Why do we have to go to Nicaragua? Why do we have to go to Africa? Why do we have to go to Uganda? Why do we have to go to Chicago? Because Jesus gave this command, it wasn't like a suggestion, that we his people share this incredible good news, not SBC, Southern Baptist good news, but the cross good news, the gospel good news, to share it with the entire world. And we get that privilege. How cool is that? So, so we do it here in Harrisburg through block parties and movie nights and all those different things. We do that, but we also go other places sharing this incredible, incredible good news. So then after he tells us that part of the Great Commission, he then says this. Now, I want you to do something like a little weird. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you kind of go, well, what's up with that? Okay. That like, does that like wash away your sin? Is, is that really how you become a Christian? Is that it's a ritual thing that you do and you go in some water? Is that how it happens? What's up with this word baptizing them? What's really cool, back in those days, and when the New Testament was being written, you know, when this was being talked about, there really wasn't a religious word for baptism. Okay? Really, the word baptize was a secular world. It was one of the Greek languages. It, it had no religious connotation whatsoever. But as the writers of the New Testament were trying to find out what word, they, they went to the Greek language and found the word baptize. Well, they found baptismo, okay, which, which means to dip, to immerse, to place in, to cover. Those kind of definitions. 
And so, so Jesus is saying, I want you to go and I want you to baptize these people with that picture in mind. And I want you to do it in a certain authority. I want you to do it in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this is Jesus talking. So the word baptized, when you're baptized in New Testament times, you are identifying that I'm a Christ follower. So the word baptized has always had that idea of identifying with. When a person is baptized, they're basically saying this. I am a Christ follower. You saw in the video. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. You're saying when you're baptized as a Christ follower, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're saying, I believe there's one God. And that God is creator God. But I also believe this. That in some mystical, magical way, that one God is also his son, Jesus Christ. And I see him as the man who died for me. I see him as my savior. And I believe that I'm testifying the fact that I believe in creator God. But I believe in Jesus Christ that he died that I could live. But he also said, Holy Spirit. And then it really gets mystical. But the Holy Spirit Jesus talked about was our helper. And within every believer in Jesus Christ. And I don't have time to explain all this. I'm sorry. Really pushing the clock. But inside every believer, when we become Christ followers, the Holy Spirit lives in us. You know what he is? He's a helper. He's a helper. He's there to help us through life. I'm glad for heaven, but I'm glad the Holy Spirit is here to help us through life. I watched someone walk over to Robin Johnston and give her a hug. I knew what was going on. This week, there was a miscarriage. And a little grandbaby... That they were hoping the whole one day went to heaven. And there's help for those days. There's help when the coal mine says, you have a job. It's not just heaven. It's living here with us and helping us. So Jesus said, I want you to go. And I want you to baptize people in the authority of my father's name, my name, and the name of the Holy Spirit. So. I, I got four questions this morning, or five, four in a statement, and we're going to do our very best to keep this brief. Um, pray for me. The first is this. Why should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Well, we're speaking to followers of Christ, but why should you be baptized? Well, see, that was a command. This whole thing, this whole Matthew 28 thing, make disciples, baptize, and teach, is all in the imperative form. Jesus is saying, you are commanded, speaking to the church, but you are commanded to make disciples. You are commanded to baptize and be baptized, and you are commanded to teach and to learn. It's an imperative thing. Now, Jesus Christ, let's see if I can get some amens from the crowd. Jesus Christ is Savior. I thought y'all jump on that. That's right. Again, that's what this Roman cross is about. We get that part of that. But let me, and now if you're here today as a guest and you're not a Christ follower, you, you can get on this. You, you say, yeah, I, I did about that. I know because I see Christians, how they live out in the world. And boy, they don't do a very good job sometimes. See, we Christians, we Christ followers, we wrestle with Jesus as Lord. We like the Savior part because we get forgiven and we get our ticket punched to heaven. We, we get that. We like the Savior part, but we wrestle with Jesus is Lord. Or how about this one? This is something you may identify better. Jesus is King. Well, see, He is. <laughs> Come on now. He is. You understand something? If you got Jesus as Savior, you got Him as Lord and you got Him as King. He's the boss. And when the boss says do something, you do something. 
Now, this should not be a deal, but it is. And my scripture I've got on the sermon sheet there is Luke 6.46. And we don't normally jump all over, but we'll have to today. Here's what Jesus said one day in a great teaching. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Why do you receive me as Savior and Lord, and then turn right around and say, Thank you for the ticket to heaven, but I think I'll just do things my way. There's two things wrong with that. Your way is never as good as God's way. Never. Parenting, marriage, life, never. God's way is always better. And two, when you signed up for Savior, you got the Lord thing. And lords and kings are to be obeyed. So why should you be baptized? Because he's your king. He's your boss. And he doesn't suggest it. He says you need to be baptized. Okay? That's why you ought to be baptized. All right, second this. What does baptism symbolize? Now, again, oh, I wish we had time. I have just finished listening to a tremendous, actually, one more week, tremendous sermon series by, by a pastor on this very topic and just happened to coincide. I didn't know what the series was about when I saw the title was free. I said, well, I'll watch that as I walk on the treadmill. And, and boy, it's a great, great thing. So, so what's the, what does it mean? I've already told you that, that and I'm going to tell you again in a moment, that baptism, you know, it's not like washing sin away. So, so why are we baptized? Well, if you want to take your Bibles and look at Romans chapter 6. Now, we're going to flash the scripture up, the verse number 4 in just a moment. But I'm going to read from the Bible here, Romans chapter 6. Now, Romans uh, is a letter from the Apostle Paul written to the church at Rome. And in it, I mean, he gets some deep stuff, some deep stuff. But in it... We learn an incredible truth about baptism that most of us, all we ever heard was, if you're a Christ follower, you need to be baptized because you need to be obedient. But the symbolism is hugely powerful, and I promise you, Lord willing, if not this year, next year, we will spend an incredible amount of time in Romans 5, 6, and 7 looking at the power of these scriptures. Because there is liberty in these scriptures. Now, Romans chapter 6, here's what it says. We're still interrupting the conversation that Paul's having in this letter, okay? We're like coming after, dear so-and-so, how you doing, blah, 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 blah. And we're coming right in the middle of the letter. Here's what he says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's talking about grace and sin and how wonderful grace is. And Paul says, so let me ask you a question. If grace is so wonderful and grace you know, is around sin, should we just sin, 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 sin so we can have more grace? And here's what he says. Certainly not. I think the King James says, God forbid. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? If we have died to sin, why do we want to live in sin? If we all know how wicked sin can be, the consequences of sin, why would you want to do that? If you're a Christ follower... Why would you want to continue to sin? And that's a real valid question that we all ask ourselves. Now, none of us are perfect. We're going to stumble into a mud puddle. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this lifestyle, habitual sin. We say, yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I'm a believer. But habitually, we sin. Paul says, what's up with that? What's up with that deal? It just doesn't jive. Then he goes on and says this. Do you not know that as as many of us as were baptized unto Christ Jesus, we're also baptized unto his death. Now, if baptized means to be placed into, to identify with, okay, Paul is saying, don't you understand that as many of us were baptized into Christ, placed in Christ, 
that were also baptized into his death. We identify with his death. He goes on and says this. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let me break that down for you. Paul is saying in a, in a wonderful, wonderful way that when Christ died, we died. When Christ died, we died. And that's a picture. When he says that, that we're buried with him in baptism, baptism is a picture. And when, when you go under the water, that's a symbol of you dying. And yes, just like this was a symbol of Christ dying to self. He even prayed in the garden. Hey, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Before that, he said, if there's any way possible to miss the cross, I'd like to miss it. But not what I want, what you want. Jesus, just like Jesus died to self on the cross in a mystical way. When he died, we died. And we died to self. And that's a picture of baptism. When that pastor puts you in the water, you're symbolically saying, I'm dying to myself. But it is bigger than that. Here's the gig. And then again, this is just a, just a little taste of the pecan pie. Okay? Before Jesus, before Jesus died on the cross, was he tempted? He sure was. Uh, Luke chapter 4. Tempted, tempted, tempted. In fact, Hebrews says he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. He never sinned, but he was tempted to sin. How many times was Jesus tempted after he resurrected? Let me give you that answer. Zero. You know Why? When he died on the cross, he died to the power of sin. He never sinned, but he was tempted. But he was never tempted after the resurrection. Now watch this out. If we died with him, and Christ died to sin, guess what happens to us? We have died to sin. We're tempted. But we no longer have to do what sin says. Because we died to sin. I mean, if I had a corpse laying here, I'd say, get up. It ain't going to get up. It's dead. And sin no longer is our master. We have been set free because we died with Christ. As Christ died, we died. As Christ died to sin, so we have died to sin. Well, what's up? Oh, we had time. But Dwayne, what's up then? I still sin. Because we keep saying yes. Because we keep saying yes. Don't you ever say, well, I just can't, I just can't, I can't stay pure. I can't do this. I can't. Yes, if you're a Christ follower, you can. But we just find sin just a little bit too enticing. But baptism pictures that. We die to self. And we die to sin. But does the pastor keep you under the water? Aren't you glad? Now, I'm worried about Tim Darty tonight. Tim is, I'm this tall and Tim is this tall. And Brent's not going to be here, so it's me, baby. I told Tim, I said, Tim, be sure you're prayed up. We might both go under. But as I put Tim under the water and little Jackson under the water, Jack under the water tonight, I'm going to bring them up out of that water. And the scripture says this, raised to walk in a newness of life. Jesus Christ is a game changer. Jesus Christ is new life. He's new life. Now, I know you don't understand that. You're going, huh? If you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, you're going, huh? Well, it's like pecan pie, man. I can explain to you how good it is, but until you taste it, you'll never know. 
This is incredible truth. So what was baptized? What was baptism symbolized? It symbolizes me dying to self and dying to sin, but raised to walk with a new power that I can look sin in the eye and say, Sin, you are not my master. You are not my master. And all of a sudden, marriage vows can be kept. All of a sudden, habits are broken. All of a sudden, we change the world around us because we have been changed. How powerful. How powerful. When should I be baptized? After salvation. I know there are people here, just like Brother Tim Darty, who was baptized at a younger age, and somewhere along the journey you realize you had not made a true commitment to Jesus Christ, and you made a true commitment, and you got this question today. Do I need to be baptized again? And the answer emphatically is yes. Every time. Say every time. Every time in the Bible, when salvation and baptism is mentioned, it's always first salvation and then baptism. You know, uh, Nancy Ellis, she'll share her testimony with me. And we talked just a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. And we talked about the fact that, that you can't get the cart or excuse me, the horse, yeah, the cart before the horse. You know, a horse that's behind the cart can't pull the cart. And because baptism means identifying with. Because baptism means in the authority of the name of the Father and the Savior and the Holy Spirit. Because baptism says, I've died to self and I'm raised to walk in newness of life. If you have baptism and then salvation, it's meaningless. It does not accurately portray the picture you're trying to portray. Every single time a person was saved and then baptized. Now. Understand this, and I'll say it now, I'll say it in a moment. Baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. But I promise you, you need to be baptized. If you were saved and then baptized, you know, before that, and you'd be baptized again, because God said so, and that's reason enough. Let me tell you about Satan. Y'all know him? Satan will do everything he can to mess with you, and he will use this against you Time and time and time again. Just like my brother Tim Darty said, God said, finally, Tim, we've got some unfinished business. I'm here to tell you today, if you're a Christ follower and you have not been baptized, you have some unfinished business with God and the power and the authority of Jesus' name will come upon you when you are obedient. Again, somehow we've got this idea that we can do, there's what I call this morning in my study time, accept obedience. Well, there's a difference between accept obedience and exceptional obedience. Accept obedience says this. I'll obey you except this. I'll obey you except that. We are good at that in America. We just take the parts we like about God's Word and go, Amen, preacher, God bless you. Preach that Bible, Dwayne. But then we turn right around and find something like, Thou shalt not gossip. Well, now, I don't know about that. And don't even begin to talk about that money thing. See, we accept. We accept it. We say, no, no, E-X-C-P-T. Exceptional obedience to Jesus Christ has no exceptions. Come on now, say it again. Exceptional obedience to Jesus Christ has no exceptions. It's no wonder we're powerless. And Satan's just whooping up on us. Some of you need to nail this booger down. I'm telling you, there's two reasons pop my brain. Pride. Tim, you spoke about that. What would people say? Pride. Fear. I'm afraid. It's like a faith fall. 
I'm trusting you to put me under and bring me up. I'm afraid of water. God is greater than your fear. And God is greater than your pride. Greater than your fear. I really, as your pastor, as your pastor, I'm asking you to consider this. There's power in that obedience and baptism. And you need to identify with your Savior and Lord today. Now, how soon afterward? Once again, we kind of, we want to do, you know, we don't want them to go through catechism before they're baptized. We want to do it. Once we're certain that the, the, the decision to follow Christ is authentic, you need to be baptized. There's no year. You, know, you do not find, you do not find in scriptures this long gap between conversion and baptism. That's good to Western culture. In fact, in the scripture we will not go to because we're out of time. In Acts chapter 16, you know, a guy gets saved. And the first thing he does is help the guys he hurt. And second, he says, immediately, say immediately. And immediately, he was baptized. He and his household. He trusted Christ and his family trusted Christ. They didn't wait six months. They waited five months. They waited four weeks. Immediately, he was baptized. So when should you be baptized? After salvation. How soon should you be baptized? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Say, listen, say, some of y'all took forever to ask your wife to marry you. You just prayed she'd say yes. She did. <laughs> what are you waiting on? Jesus loves you. This you know. Because the Bible tells you so. Obey Him. He'll get you through it. Obey Him. Alright. What does baptism have to do with my salvation? And please hear this clearly. Nothing. Would you please say it with me? Nothing. For by grace you have been saved. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Baptism, church membership, being good, giving your money, whatever you name, has nothing to do with your salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. Even the righteous religious acts such as baptism. Why? Well, that's what we've been talking about for 25 minutes. Because He's your Lord and your King, He commands it. Because it's a beautiful symbolism of what has happened to you. You died to self and died to sin and you've been raised to walk in a newness of life. I'm going to tell you this. Baptism is a great anchor point for your faith. It's a great anchor point. It solidifies what God has done. It's an outward testimony of what God has done, both to the people and to you. I'm telling you, in the New Testament, there was no disconnect. You trusted Christ, you were baptized. Trusted Christ, you were baptized. That's just the way it was. And I believe you want to be biblical. Amen? So some of you need to nail this down today. Now, one more thought. Not a question, a thought. The Apostle John, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, wrote in, in a book, he, a letter he wrote, an epistle he wrote, said this. Speaking under the Holy Spirit as Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. John wrote it. Jesus said it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Christ followers. In view of what he did. Do you love him? That was not a rhetorical question. Christ followers, in view of what he did, do you love him? 
I'm going to try. I'm, maybe I'm not saying it right. I'll, I'll try one more time and we might get to, to the Mexican restaurant before the Methodists. Christ followers, in view of what he did, he bled and died for you. He got up the third day. He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us in this life. And he is coming back. In view of what he did, do you love him? Yes. If you love him, keep his commandments. If you love him. See, I remember when cannot Terry Shavaro in Florida, the lady who was, they said was brain dead and wasn't. I'll never forget that husband got there and said he was having an affair. And, and, his, and he said this, I just happened to be in love with two women. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. If he loved his wife, he would have never did what he did. I don't care how he tries to justify it. Sir, ma'am, if you love Jesus... Keep his commandments. And let's go way beyond baptism to life. If you love him, keep his commandments. So again, so the big, big picture, make disciples, baptize them. So the Great Commission is to do, to teach what I taught today to others. I just happen to know there's probably some folks in here today who need to hear this teaching. And I, I could go to First Baptist and teach this and there'd be people there. I could go to McKinley Avenue or Church of God or the Nazarene Church, and there would be people there. Some of you need to make that decision even today. If I didn't make it clear today, I'd be glad to sit down and talk with you about it. I, as your pastor, I know this is important. I know it is. But we have a responsibility. This was a great commission to go to others and teach Jesus Christ loves you and died for you. He wants you to identify with him. And next week, we want to teach you what God's Word says about His Son. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? Oh, thank you so much. Y'all listened so well today. And, you know, we don't ever do a sermon on baptism. And you know why? You know, we Baptists, by the way, in case you don't know, we Baptists are a little bit scared of the Holy Spirit thing, you know. We won't, people think we've got spiritual or something. So we're a little scared of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We're the same way with baptism. Because some denominations teach baptismal regeneration, which means you are saved through baptism. We, oh, we don't want to talk about baptism. Oh, what a mistake. What a mistake. So today, if you're here, and, and you, you've been looking for something in your life, and that first part of that message I talked about, a man who loved you so much, you are so precious to him, that he died for you. And you said to yourself, because somebody was talking in your heart, and it's called God. And you're saying, this is what I've been looking for. I tried religion, and it didn't work. I tried new habits, it didn't work. I tried New Year's resolutions, and they didn't work. This is what I've been looking for. In a few moments, we're going to have you stand to your feet. And my friend, Brother Brent, will be standing down front here. And we would love to answer any questions you've got and introduce you to our very best friend, Jesus Christ. Now, some of you today have trusted Christ. And for whatever reason, baptism has not followed that. And today you need to do that. You need to say, make a public commitment and say, I want to be obedient in baptism. Nancy's story was incredible. Uh, Wednesday night. Tim, your story was incredible. If I were to ask people to raise their hand, how many of you were rebaptized at a later date? Oh, my goodness, the hands would go up. It happened to me. It happened to Judy. 
So many Christians. Perhaps you've never been baptized. If I can help you in any way, you just call the church. I say, Dwayne, will you come talk to me? And I would be glad to do that. Obedience, particularly in baptism, is so important. And there might be some other decisions. Perhaps you're here today and you'd like to, to join our church fellowship. You say, you know, this church seems to have something going on. I'd like to be a part of this. We would love to talk to you about that. And sometimes we Christians, we wake up in a service like this and we go, you know what? I realize there's some junk that's come between me and my, my father. And I need to recommit my life. And Brent will be glad to tell you about that. This is a time of decision. If we can help answer questions, we want to do that. So, Father, thank you for the privilege that's mine today to share your word. Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross, making it possible for people like us to come to a relationship with your Father. Thank you for that. Thank you that's not a bunch of rules. It's not some old stale religion. It is a living relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I know this is a hard decision about this baptism issue for some folks. Give them courage. Give them courage. Lord, let them nail this down in their lives. Give them that victory that you want them to have. And God, we love you, and we trust you, and we believe in you. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.